Southern California Live, Hour 2. Scott Furrow here with you, your host. We're on from 3 to 5 every day live right here in Southern California on KKLA, 99.5 FM. In San Diego on KPRZ, 1210 AM, 106.1 FM if you're in North County. It is good to be with you today like it is every day. And important, important that we are with one another. I like to stress that word because there's so much going on. Part of our call for being as believers, and if you're not a believer in Christ and you're listening, you know, one of the reasons that is evidence that Jesus loves you is he wants to be with you. You can do a great study if you're really curious about faith, if you're curious about the the truth of Christianity, whether or not it's true. What do you need to know about Jesus? One of the things you need to know is he wants to be with you. He doesn't just want you to go to heaven and he doesn't just want to say, I love you, and then he's going to do his own thing and he doesn't have time for you. He is an infinite, infinite God, infinite God who has time for every single issue you're dealing with, every single thing in your life. Time for all of your questions, time for all of your concerns, time even for all of your fun. And as the church, the who are supposed to be the hands and feet of Christ here, on this earth, we need to be with each other, and we've got things to do. We have people to love in the name of Jesus, and we need to get out there and do that in such a broken world. Uh, the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557, if you want to join in the conversation. And uh, there's still a lot of difficulty going on because of gun violence that we have seen, of course, at the school in Uvalde, uh, Rob Elementary last week, but also there have been several mass shootings since then. Um, police in Tulsa uh, are talking today about the shooting suspect from yesterday. A man went into a uh, doctor's office and uh, killed four people. And uh, apparently he wrote a letter He giving his motive. He said that he didn't like the, he had a lot of pain after a back surgery and went after the doctor and killed his doctor. He blamed his doctor for ongoing pain following the surgery. And uh, he had purchased an AR-15 that day and used it as part of the shooting, apparently. Those details change over time, though, so uh, just that's what it is at the moment. And then also today, the 18-year-old man who's accused of carrying out the massacre that killed 13 people at a Buffalo supermarket was arraigned in Erie County courtroom on Thursday on more than two dozen charges, including murder and domestic terrorism motivated by hate. Uh, So we know because of his writings that it was a hate crime, that he deliberately went to murder black people. And uh, this is the first time that such a law has been leveled against a defendant in the state of New York. So we're we're in the thick of it. We're dealing with terrible violence um, and terrible things going on. And President Biden is going to give a speech about gun violence here, uh, supposedly at the bottom of the hour. I'm not sure that he will do that. And uh, we're not going to carry it here, but I'll tell you what he's going to say. Uh, in just a minute. This was uh, Vice President Kamala Harris speaking on this today. Play clip one. And the latest report, of course, is that four innocent people lost their lives and many more were injured. We, of course, all of us hold the people of Tulsa in our hearts, but we also reaffirm our commitment to passing common sense gun safety laws. All right, she's making those comments, and that's good. And then she uses the phrase, which we're hearing a lot now, common sense uh, gun laws. I think what people are waiting to hear is what specifically is actually going to be proposed, though. 
Uh, is it common sense or is it just left or right wing stuff? How, you know, what is it that you're really talking about? And maybe the president will shed some light on that here in a, in a little bit. Play a clip two. She went on to say this. And I don't have to tell anybody in this room, but President Biden has taken more executive action to combat gun violence than any other president at this point in their administration. Um, but we cannot, as an administration or those of us who are here, address this alone. Uh, no more excuses. Thoughts and prayers are important, but not enough. We need Congress to act. All right, so where this conversation is going is really the same place it always goes, and then it goes nowhere. Just to be perfectly frank, uh, it doesn't. So I'm curious this time if it's going to. I'd like to ask you, what do you think is common sense gun law? Wherever you stand on the gun issue, this, you know, not to have a debate on Second Amendment or things like that, but what are some legal changes that you think people might agree on? What would be common sense? You know, it's kind of, it's another term that, that it gets leveraged and it works if it is common sense. It doesn't work if it's not common sense. Uh, gun control, the Washington Post had an article uh, a couple of days ago that said from Sandy Hook to Buffalo and Uvalde, 10 years of failure on gun control. And the idea is we keep having as a nation this discussion that we need to do something, uh, but nothing happens. I mean, does either side, have either side really put forward any legislation? Maybe the, maybe nobody really believes in it, or maybe we don't agree on what common sense is. You know, is the gun lobby just that powerful on both sides? Is is it just something that everybody thinks that the voters aren't going to go for, so we're not going to do it? You know, I mean, why don't we just say what it is? I, it's a big problem, right, is that, and I I think some of it is, both sides raise a lot of money on this issue by not doing anything. And this is a place where I feel like I don't know what the solution is for maybe guns, uh, but I'll bet there are a few things that most people agree with. I mean, do we really think that an 18-year-old should be able to buy an AR-15 but not a handgun? You've got to wait till you're 21, you know, to buy uh, a handgun, but you can buy the AR-15 at 18. You know, to me, I think that should be discussed. Uh, President Trump thought that should be discussed. President Biden thinks that should be discussed. You know, there's probably some things, whether or not they prevent these things, uh, I don't know. And we've talked before on the show that the bigger issues are are really the bigger issue. Earlier this week, we talked about fatherlessness and what a very significant uh, subject that is when it comes to violence and other things. Uh, the Washington Post uh, laments that basically nothing gets done. Remember when, when Sandy Hook happened and that terrible attack with all those little kids, uh, and it was just awful. Um, and then we're dealing with this again. And there's gun violence all the time. It just doesn't get reported, you know, all that often. Um, it's all the time. Not really much has changed, at least in a, a legal standpoint. And maybe we just don't know how to have that conversation. And maybe it's because we don't want to deal with the moral side of it, which I think is uh, really a big deal. 888-528-2557. Let's go to Jim in North Hills. Jim, welcome to Southern California. Welcome to Southern California Live. What are your thoughts on this topic? Are you with me, Jim? Jim? All right, we'll put Jim on hold, and uh, maybe he stepped away. Um Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven is the number. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. So the president is going to come out and give a talk about gun violence and one of the things that we need to do. I'm curious if he's going to propose anything specifically. 
Um, we played the clip a moment ago of Vice President Harris, who says, I don't need to tell anybody in this room that this president has done. I don't know who was in the room. Maybe they, she does need to say that. Uh, I don't need to tell anybody, everybody in this room what the president has done. He's done more for the issue of uh, gun violence prevention than any president at this point of their first term in history. Well, I thought, well, that's an interesting comment because what actually has he done? I don't know how you measure it since nobody's passing any legislation, really. How do you do that? So I looked it up. And uh, here's some things. Here's what Biden has done. And this is from CNN. Okay, Um, CNN is posting this. What uh, advocacy groups say that uh, he has been able to do. Okay, number one is that he's asking for not accomplished anything. And this is why they're saying it has to go to Congress. This is an important thing for us to understand is that a problem we have with the way we're being governed in our country is the president so often, not just this president, but President Trump, President Obama, uh, a little bit of President Bush, but especially Obama, Trump, and Biden have been governing by executive order and governing by using executive branch agencies like the Justice Department or uh, even uh, Agriculture Department. There's all these departments that are that are passing regulations, but they're not really laws. And there's significant question about whether whether or not these organizations, excuse me, whether or not these these government entities have the authority to pass these laws. That's ultimately what struck down masks on uh, airplanes and in airports is a judge finally said, hey, the CDC does not have legal authority to require people to wear masks in airports. Uh, Congress has that authority. Congress could pass a law, and they could. The Congress could pass a law that says everybody's got to wear a mask on the plane as long as we say so. And that law would probably be upheld by the Supreme Court or by any other lower court. But the question is, does a government agency like the Centers for Disease Control have that kind of authority? It's amazing what we just saw the last couple of years, the CDC doing. So this is a a significant question. And people know that if you're going to change anything with guns or a big issue like this that everybody is paying attention to, it has to go through Congress. That's the way it gets done. Uh, that's where the accountability is, too. That's where the voters have a say. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. So here's, according to CNN, what the president has uh, done so far on guns. And I suspect this is what he's going to talk about uh, in his speech. So speech will be on here in a little bit. We're not going to carry it on this program Uh, But I think this is what he's going to say. He's probably going to say what he has started. He's going to ask Congress to do something. He's going to say common sense gun laws, and he might suggest a couple of things. My question for you is what's common sense? You know, are there things, and maybe we'll ask this again tomorrow once we know what the president actually says. Are there things that people who, for lack of a better way of putting it on the left and right, can agree as far as laws that could or should change that maybe, you know, Maybe if you change the age of somebody buying a gun to 21 from 18, particularly with the uh, uh, these rifles, uh, would that have changed anything um, with this shooting in Uvalde? Uh, maybe. Uh, there's a question, of course, as to where this kid got the money to buy those guns, and I don't know that we know the answer to that yet. I actually worked it out, though. He It wouldn't take him long. He worked it at Wendy's or something fast food place. And uh, even if he was part-time at 15 bucks an hour, you know, it would take a few months, but he could save it up. 
Uh, and if he's living with his grandparents and basically has no expenses, you can save up that money pretty fast, actually. All right, President uh, Biden. The currently, currently, the federal law requires anyone engaged in the business of dealing firearms to obtain federal firearms license and run background checks on potential firearms per- purchasers. So one of the things that the Biden administration is considering is directing the Department of Justice to clarify what that means, to clarify the term engaged in the business so that it also includes people selling guns at gun shows or online marketplaces in order to close loopholes. You know, I don't really, I'm surprised actually that you can just maybe in private sale, is that how you do it where there's no background check? You don't have to, uh, hold your gun for uh, 15 days or 10 days or whatever the background is. Maybe somebody who uh, is aware can explain that and give me a call 888-528-2557. But apparently there are several different loopholes. And one of them is if you are uh, in certain circumstances, there are not background checks. Uh, and so it dodges the legal phrase engaged in the business. Engaged in the, in the business is a, an interesting legal phrase. Um, did you know that if you run a garage sale, and there's argument about how many times you can run a garage sale and not be a business. Um, and the answer might be one. The answer, I think, is now if you just have one garage sale, you have to report it as income and you're a business. And if you've got multiple garage sales, well, now you're really a business, right? You're a thrift shop. I used to go to garage sales and buy stuff and then resell it on eBay all the time. Uh, I, I paid off a lot of debt doing that. God provided, in my view, in my my history and testimony whenever I quit uh, being in the business world where I was making a lot of money to go into ministry where I was making no money. I had a lot of credit card debt from college and I wasn't paying it off while I was making money. How in the world am I going to pay it off now that I'm not going to make money going to seminary? And God provided eBay and I did. It paid it off. It was hard work. Uh, One of the ways I did it was I went to garage sales and estate sales and I bought stuff and then resold it. And then I found out because I'm doing that, I'm a business. And I better be reporting that on my taxes. And so I did. I was engaged in the business of uh, buying and selling junk. What the president could do is, and what the administration is trying to do, is make sure that the phrase engaged in business includes people selling guns at gun shows or online in uh, every possible way. Okay, so that's one thing that he might do. Maybe there's a law that would get passed that would clarify that. The president also is going to have a new White House office and coordinator on guns. So a, a another group of people will get together and be the coordinator of gun violence prevention from the White House. I suppose that means there will be a gun czar. Is that what we're going to call them? Gun czar? Maybe we need it. That's like a funny term that we use. We've had drug czars and we've got, uh, isn't Kamala Harris the border czar? She still hasn't been down there, I guess. Um we have all these czars, a former Russian uh, king that was overthrown. Maybe we should have, they should be uh, gun emperors or something. I don't know. So the administration will have a uh, an organization that will try to end gun violence in the White House. Okay, that's something that they're doing. Still nothing concrete, though. It sounds like a group of people who are going to have conversations and make statements, but still nothing changes. The president is also working to see that, and once again, the president hasn't really done a lot of this. This is just what's being proposed. So I find it interesting that he's done more for the issue of gun violence than any president in his first years, according to Kamala Harris. But 
what he's doing more is proposing ideas. Uh, the Biden administration has issued language making it clear that firearm trace data should be made public in order to understand how to stop the flow of illegal guns. Uh, I think that's a real good idea. If you can stop illegal guns, that's certainly something you should do. Uh, I guess there have been interpretations of the law that says that the uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, the ATF, another executive branch uh, police force, um, is not allowed to publish certain tracing data. And it's basically an accountability issue, so they say. It, it just It's odd to me, particularly in the area of illegal gun trafficking. I would think this is a, an area where we could find some common ground, right? We should do whatever we can to stop the trade of illegal weapons. That makes sense. I Don't you think people on the left and right can agree with that? I would think so. 888-528-2557 is the number. This is Southern California Live if you want to join this conversation. 888-528-2557. This one's a little more controversial, but the president could prioritize funding to um, redefine and reemphasize what are known as red flag laws. Uh, red flag laws allow for you to say that somebody is a, in danger of harming themselves, you know, so you can drop somebody off at a hospital, for example, if you think they're going to be committing suicide um, and they can be evaluated and maybe detained for a short period of time. The idea of red flag laws with guns is the idea that you would be able, if there's a family member, let's say you've got a kid who's just, you think, violent and who's buying ammunition or a gun shop owner, somebody's just buying a bunch of ammunition and you're saying to yourself, this is bad. Right now, you don't really have much you can do. You can probably refuse to sell to that person. Uh, other than that, there's not a lot you can do. What this is, the red flag laws would say, you suspect that this person is about to commit a violent act, and so you can call the police and their guns can be taken from them during that time. Now, the way those laws work is that there would be a very limited time for you to prove that this person is a danger, uh, and that's very, very hard to do. Uh, it's very, very hard to prove that somebody's going to do something because you think so. That's just It's just very difficult. Um, and that's kind of where those red flag laws are, are complicated. But the idea is that, hey, if, if grandma or grandpa would have known that this kid in, in Uvalde or this uh, man in Tulsa or the person in Buffalo, if somebody knew, hey, this person's been posting stuff online or left a note saying they're going to do a violent act, you know, that would be a reason to say to, the, to call the police and say, you've got to take this gun away from this person. Um, and then the burden of proof that they shouldn't have it would fall on you. It gets complicated, but that's the idea. Uh, a lot of people on both sides support this notion. Making it practical is, is harder. I, uh, I once asked a, a bunch of police officers uh, about this kind of thing. I was at a Bible study for police officers. And this was several years ago, and what happened was President, uh, before he was the president, uh, Senator Obama, who became president, uh, he was proposing like a national federal police force. He dropped this very quickly because people said, why do you need that? Why do you need a national federal police force? You know, I thought that's what the FBI is, right? I thought that's what the ATF is. Why do we need this? And the idea was that there'd be like patrol cars everywhere, but they're feds, not state or city uh, or sheriff. And uh, he dropped that right away because people thought it sounded terrible. But I asked the police, I said, why would he propose that? There's a group of maybe 20 guys. They were all quiet. One guy said this. He said, you know, one day they're going to outlaw guns. And he says, as police officers, and I would say this was probably a, a conservative bunch, uh, mostly, but not entirely, like politically speaking. So one day they're going to 
takeaway guns. And he said, all of us are going to be thrilled on that day. And that surprised me that he said that. He said, we're going to go to every criminal we know, every thug we know, and we're going to take all of their guns. We're going to take them all. And he goes, that's going to be a great day for us because we're going to be safer on the street. You're going to be safer on the street. He said, that's going to be a real good day. He said, the problem is, is that when we come to the law-abiding citizen's home to take your guns, he said, you can put a big pink bow on it, leave it in the living room on the floor, and we're not going to see it. And his point was he thought that the purpose of a federal police force is only to take guns. And that's why that's probably never going to happen that way. But I thought it's interesting that even the police officers were really hopeful that they could get the guns off the street because they know who they are. They know who's carrying. They they know. Uh, and they don't have the authority. And uh, it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing when you're dealing with the, the rights of people. And how do you accuse people of doing something wrong when they haven't done something wrong? Uh, that is, uh, that's super complicated and it's important. It's important that we don't have government doing that. 888-528-2557 is the number. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. You can give me a call and join the conversation. 888-528-2557. We'll continue with what uh, Biden has done or considering doing when it comes to gun laws. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today on this wonderful Thursday afternoon. I hope that you are having a good day. The president will be coming out pretty soon to talk about uh, gun control and uh, whatever he's going to say about that. We're not going to take that speech. I'll I'll keep an eye on it in case he says something interesting. But I am uh, going to tell you what he's going to be saying. And uh, here's something that I hope he doesn't say. There's there's something he keeps saying. He has said this over and over again. And uh, here it is. Play clip number three, Wilbur. He said this uh, over and over again. We'll get that clip for you in just a minute. And the thing that he, he keeps saying is this. Go ahead. Well, they clearly will not prevent every tragedy. We know certain ones will have significant impact and have no negative impact on the Second Amendment. Second Amendment is not absolute. When it was passed, you couldn't own a you couldn't own a cannon. You couldn't own certain kinds of weapons. It's just always been limitations. Uh, uh, he keeps saying that even the the liberal Washington Post gave gives him four four Pinocchios. They have a fact-checking service on the Washington Post, and the way they uh, they judge your lies, if it's totally false, completely false, it's four Pinocchios. It's not true that you couldn't own a cannon. It's just not. In fact, the Constitution elsewhere actually supposes that people have their own weapons and says that the government has the right to take them if you happen to go to war. Uh, it's just there's a lot of rhetoric about uh, it. the – the Constitution and the Second Amendment that just wasn't not really true. And the reason I hope he doesn't say it is because that will be the story. Like if let's say there's something that he proposes that's really good. Maybe there's something that we really ought to talk about, like, you know, age limits and uh, waiting periods, things of that nature. Um, You know, it gets destroyed when statements are made that are just not true. Uh, just not true. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Let's go to Carol in Costa Mesa. Carol, welcome Hi. to Southern California Live. Yes. 
I'm uh, Hi, Carol, go ahead. To... Hi, I'm glad. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Okay. I am glad to hear someone talking about solutions, and I think you're a clear communicator on that, Scott, and thank you for speaking up and tackling something that is difficult and very hard to pinpoint, oh, what is it that really will take out some crazy, murderous tyrant, you know? So thank you for doing yeah, that. Well, uh, talk, well talk I appreciate that. I think I lost you there, Carol. I appreciate uh, your call about that. You know, what we try to do is, you know, there's a lot of left and right stuff. And what we've seen is for years, nobody does anything. Maybe there's not legislation that people are going to agree on. But if there is something that can be done, maybe there are steps forward. It is complicated. And we we have to stop saying things that aren't true. We have to stop, you know, uh, on the right. People have got to stop uh, just not having any controls. There's been certain kinds of controls. You know, waiting periods I don't think are bad. You know, you shouldn't be able to go pick up a gun and go use it just because you're mad. You know, you need the time to cool off. I don't think that's bad. I think most gun owners know that. Most gun owners I know are pretty responsible. And they want to take care of the weapon. I think there's some very good rules about how you how you store uh, your firearm. Uh, I know two families whose little kids were killed because they stumbled upon a firearm in somebody's house that was not locked, and it was loaded, and they died. Little kids. One was three years old. Uh, I I don't think those kinds of restrictions are bad. So you're you know if you don't like those kinds of restrictions, you know I don't know what to tell you. There's there's got to be some kind of Rule, but most gun owners I know, I think they would agree with that, and they want to take good care. And uh, you know, the the right to bear arms is really not complicated when you go back and look at what the founders meant. You know, if you want to to repeal the Second Amendment, that's one thing, and that's the way you would have to go about it. But if you want to just uh, say it doesn't say what it says, or go read what the founders said it meant, and and try to misinterpret it, you just can't do that. It just it doesn't make the argument work. It doesn't move the ball forward. And I think if there is a way to go forward, then we need to speak clearly. And we can't just say common sense measures. What are what are the common sense measures? Uh, maybe there are some things, and but we can't just use the phrase common sense without defining what common sense is. 888-528-2557. Lawrence and Whittier, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi there. Uh, good afternoon. Yeah, I think there are common sense measures we can all agree on. I think raising the age is definitely one of them. For example, when you want to rent a luxury car, a special car, sometimes you have to be 25 or older or even 30. Um, I think raising the age is definitely something. But I keep hearing about comprehensive background checks on CNN. Uh, do you have any indication of what that means? Well, <clears throat> I think that there's a couple of things that it means, and that's a, a, a very good question there. One of them is that uh, apparently you don't do background checks if you purchase a gun via private party, you know, or if somebody gives you a gun, those kinds of things. Um, somebody maybe could call and update me on that if I have that incorrect. Um, but there are ways to get around the background check, and they want to close that. That is what the president is uh, has been proposing that right now the law says if you're engaged in business, you have to do background checks. And so the way people get around it is, well, I'm not really engaged in business. I'm doing this at a 
at a sporting show or I'm giving it as a gift, uh, those kinds of things. Um, is there a way to make a person, let's say uh, your dad wanted to give you a gun, um, is there a way legally where your dad would have to have you fill out paperwork and maybe put the gun at a gun store in escrow and wait the 15 days in order for you to get it? It's that kind of thing I think that they're they're talking about. Is there a way to make sure that everybody who acquires a firearm goes through some kind of check? Um, it probably goes further than that to say psychological testing and other things. There, there are many different nuances that people will add to it. Uh, I think that's what it means there, uh, Lawrence. Oh, thank you for right, that. Lawrence, yeah, thank it's you. almost like registering yeah. a deed. Yeah, uh, lots of things like that. All right, Lawrence, thank you for your call. Claudia in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Live. Oh, I Hi, am Claudia, are you with us? Yeah, go ahead, yes, Claudia. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, you know, first of all, I believe in our um, Constitution and that we do have our Bill of Rights and that we are able to own guns. So the whole idea of being able to own guns was in case we have to defend ourselves against the government, which in this, mm-hmm. this day and age, I don't know, I'm, I'm pretty concerned about our government. But the thing that I would like to see is to have some more restrictions on what kind of guns we can own and also to think about what Israel has done with their young people, and that is to require them to be two years in their military. I think the, a lot of the problem is is that people get a hold of guns, they don't know how to use them, and they just go haywire. Also, Israel restricts the amount of ammunition people can own. So, you know, I think if we, we look at other countries, which our government does all the time, Israel would be a really good example all right, I appreciate that. So you think that uh, maybe people being required to join the military or required maybe to have uh, gun certification, testing, uh, yeah. that kind of thing. Absolutely. All right, Claudia, I think a lot of people uh, would agree with you on that. And I, what I'm getting at is are there common sense things that could be done that most people, and by that I mean people who are on either side of this issue, that we would agree on and get done? For me, I'm tired of the same conversation every time that there's some kind of gun violence and terrible event, and then nothing happens. And also, I'll I'll reiterate, I also think that a lot of this has far more to do with the status of our family, the status of fathers and, and men, uh, the status of marriage, the status of how we raise our kids. I think it has an awful lot to do with it because the, the studies also show that this didn't happen as often in the old days. Uh, when people had guns and there were less restrictions. There's some things that have changed. And I think one of the things that have changed, maybe it's availability. Maybe it is, you know, there's some, I think that there's a lot of different things you can answer. And I think, and there are some people doing studies now, I think some of it has to do with the advent of social media. That when you you look at a graph, the uh, London newspaper put out a graph about our gun problem, Uh, talking about the assault weapon ban that was from uh, 1994 to 2004. And what they're trying to say is that since that ban expired in 2004, mass shootings have uh, uh, increased over the course of the next uh, 15 years. 
And that graph looks like that's true, except that what you see right after 2004 is the numbers are about the same as they were before 1994. Like at that moment, it doesn't seem to change a lot. But then it then it explodes. It becomes exponential, the gun violence after that. And it's a it's a terrible thing to look at. But I think you have to look at that and go, well, they're saying it has to do with the the weapons ban. But maybe there's something else because those weapons were around beforehand. I think social media is a big one. The algorithms in your social media, your Facebook, your Twitter and Instagram, something they discovered in those algorithms is that you are more likely to respond to something that makes you angry, that you're more likely to interact with a post, to like it, to forward it, to retweet it, to do whatever it is. Studies are saying that the the more emotional and angry you get, then you will you will spread that around. And this is how a lot of mistruths, untruths get uh, spread around the internet so fast is that you read something and it just infuriates you and it it confirms something you might already think or you might already think is possible. And so you send it to all of your friends and some of them do the research and they go, ah, that didn't really happen. But a lot of them get mad and they they send it to everybody else because, you know, well, Scott sent this to me and, it, and I trust Scott, so I'm going to send it to all of my friends. And pretty soon you have a, a fire going on of something that just isn't true and it's very hard to get rid of that. And it's angering people that it's the angry stuff that people forward around. And what we're doing is creating a culture of people who are getting stirred up, who are angry, who then happen to have access to guns, who happen to have other problems going on. Maybe that's the reason, maybe it isn't, but it's something that needs to be looked at. All right, the president is speaking now. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and then I will be back with you. I'll take your calls, 888-528-2557, This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. We'll be right back on the Thursday edition. We'll, we'll see you in a minute. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you. It's good to be with you today. The number is 888-528-2557. If you want to join our conversation, we're talking about guns. The president is speaking right now on uh, this issue. And uh, so far, as I can uh, as I can look at it, he's not saying anything that we haven't already predicted that he would say. Um, and, you know, one of the things I think that uh, he says that is definitely true is that people are saying we have to do something. Uh, do something is what he's hearing, he says, from people that he's visited in Uvalde and Buffalo and other places where there has been this kind of uh, gun violence. And I would agree, we got to do something. I think it's a whole lot more than whatever they're going to do in in Congress if they do. And then it's the usual platitudes and the usual left and right stuff about uh, we should ban these weapons and ban high-capacity magazines and uh, those kinds of things and kind of commenting that he doesn't think those things necessarily will happen. But there probably are some areas where he thinks we would agree on uh, better universal background checks, gun storage laws. I mentioned that right before the break. Uh, Red flag laws we mentioned before the break also are controversial, Um, but uh, I understand that. I got to tell you, it's it's hard. As a pastor, I've had people in my office who I thought are going to shoot me, and uh, lots of people have recommended that uh, I get you know have a weapon in there. I don't have a gun in there. What I've had in there for many years is a a large baseball trophy that I got when I was 11 years old. My little league team came in first place. No kidding. I keep that under my desk 
because it's got a big marble base. They used to make real trophies with marble rock on the bottom of it. And I thought, oh, I'm going to clock somebody with that if uh, they come after me. Uh, and it's there. Never had to use it. Very happy about that. But I have many times locked down the office, locked the doors, and told people, don't let that guy in. If you see him, call the cops. You know, it's a, it's a scary thing. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Steve from Glendora, welcome to Southern California Live. have a suggestion um, that we, we do a lot of talking about this thing, but we forget our main, our main uh, weapon, which is prayer. And my suggestion is that this radio station, maybe your program in particular, maybe dedicate a half hour a week to simply praying about these key, key issues. So, uh, you know, I'm not quite sure how you do it. Maybe you can invite pastors, but the key idea would be me, uh, we for allow different people to simply pray this, pray this uh, out over the over the airwaves and on a regular basis. Key issues such as abortion, such as uh, uh, gun violence, such as the division in our country, and all all these things that the drought in Southern California, mm-hmm. all this thing, and, and to encourage people to to spend maybe five minutes a day or ten minutes a day personally in their prayer closets, praying over these things. I, I think that is where we're losing it, uh, in my opinion. And one of the areas in particular I think we're losing in terms of the gun violence is that uh, we have, uh, we have because of the abortions, the 66 million abortions or whatever it is in this country, we have a disregard for human, the value of human life. And I think that directly feeds into the gun violence. I think that's, that's a root cause that we need yes. to address. Steve, I agree. I think it is. I think it is a big part of it. Steve, thank you for your call. Uh, and I think you're right about prayer. I think it's a, it's a greater topic as, as believers. Maybe it's a good topic for another show, but maybe I'll ask you this on a, a future show. Do you believe that prayer works for Christians? And Christian, do you believe that prayer works? We need to pray more and we need to pray with each other, but we need to be praying about these things in the context of of evangelism. So it isn't just we want to pray that gun violence ends and we want to pray against all the things that, you know, might be leading up to that. Pray for, you know, if there is common sense gun laws that are good, you can pray for that, but pray that the violence ends one way or the other. But, you know, I think that a big piece of it is that God's call for us, Jesus's call for us is not just simply that violence would end, but that people would come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. That the way that this ends is that people put their hope and trust in Jesus Christ. And when, like for real, not that they just went somewhere and said a prayer and they don't know what it means and they don't really know who Jesus is, but they, they heard about it. People really surrender themselves to Christ. And I think we have a discipleship problem that I think feeds into the prayer problem, but it also feeds into a lot of different things, even regard for life the issues of abortion, the issues of violence in other ways. I think that a big piece of it, just speaking pastorally here, Steve, responding to you, is, and by the way, I think it's a good idea to bring some people on. You mentioned maybe have some pastors come on and pray about these things. I think that's a good idea. We need to pray. We also need to teach each other to pray, that we pray about these things from the standpoint of sharing Christ. It matters. And it isn't that, you know, I think and if you're listening, you're not a believer. There's a difference between somebody who is religious and they go to church and they do the routine of, of Christianity 
but deep down they don't really believe it. Like when push comes to shove, do you think Jesus is the Savior? Well, not really. Okay, there's a difference between that person and a person who really believes Jesus, Uh, a person who believes that Jesus saved them from their sin, a person who really puts their hope in Jesus. This is the call. Like I am interested to see if there is something that we're going to actually do in our country from a legal standpoint. It would be great if there is some places where people can come together and say, let's do these things. I think that would be good. But my hope isn't there. Like I hope it happens, but that's not where I place my hope. My hope is on Christ. My hope is that Americans repent, that the church repents, that by repent, what I mean is we turn our hearts to Jesus and away from all these other philosophies that are anti-God, that are just, you know, practically atheistic, that we realize that our hope is in Christ and that the church really is unified in this message, that the hope of the world is Christ, that the the purpose of you and me as the church, not our church buildings, not our, you know, those things are, are Jesus's and we are to leverage our congregations, our relationships in order to let people know that Jesus loves them, in order to let people know that they are cared about, that they are loved. There's there's so much more that the church can be doing. You know, in it, I was going to say irregardless. I know that's not a word, but I like it. Irregardless of what the, of what the Congress does. Okay, irregardless of whatever might happen in our country. Uh, appreciate your call. Good call, Steve. Ivan from Arcadia, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. Uh, I really appreciate your, your uh, show, Pastor. And Thank you. I think your voice is, is uh, super important for this generation. Thank uh, you very much. I, I like what you were saying about a um, discipleship and prayer. Um, I'm grateful that I've seen in the last couple of years God raising up different discipleship groups like YOM and other groups who really focus on building up a generation. And I believe there's a revival coming that has a generation who has been discipled and who are steep in prayer. Um, but um, when it comes to gun control, I feel like something that needs to be talked about more is uh, like the arming, uh, an increase of arming uh, of like security guards and um, I feel like I haven't heard too many, too much that as a solution. I've heard a lot of uh, taking away guns, but my only issue with that problem is that uh, it only leaves the pool who are breaking the law with guns. So, like, yeah. gangsters and people who are actively, like, pursuing crime, they, would, they won't uh, adhere to the laws either way. Right. Um, so I just, I feel like something like that, uh, even if it's, like, armed guards who have guns that uh, don't shoot bullets but shoot, like, ropes. Um, something along those lines, I feel like, would be personally a better option than to take away gun, guns from law-abiding citizens. All right, Ivan, I appreciate your call very much on that. And uh, that's where a lot of people think, uh, you know, another side of it is, is that we should have more armed guards. Uh, some will go as far as in the schools, arming teachers. I'm wondering now if we're going to have more armed guards or that discussion at hospitals. Uh, because of what happened in Tulsa. Uh, i got time for one more call. Chris in Westminster, welcome to Southern California Live. Hey, thanks for uh, taking the call, and I appreciate the subject. Um, I have a lot of opinions on, on the guns issue, and I haven't heard everyone's comments, so I guess I'll throw it back to you and ask you, do you really believe the guns are the issue? Because I don't think they're the issue. I, I obviously believe sin is the issue. Mm-hmm. The heart of the man is the issue. 
So you take away the guns, you make more regulations, people will get knives, they'll get rocks, they'll use anthrax, they'll use COVID, they'll use whatever they can to accomplish their goals. So I've been in many discussions online. I'll give you time to speak, and I'd love to hear your answer, but I personally don't want guns taken away, and I taking our guns away or making it harder for law-abiding citizens to own guns is going to help anything. It's going to make it worse and uh, take the guns away, but then that means the, the government needs to take their guns. So Biden saying that we didn't have cannons when the Second Amendment was uh, written, I would say, well, then take, take our nukes away. Uh, if, the, if the citizens can't have uh, guns, then neither can the government. So I really just want to hear your opinion. Do you think guns are the problem? And yeah. I'll hang up and listen on the air. All right, Chris, thank you for your call. And, uh, yeah, we have talked about that before. I don't think guns are ultimately the problem. Earlier, as we've we've really dealt with this in some different ways. This is the first time I've really talked about guns so much because uh, I think we really – there's so much emotion, especially after uh, these, these shootings. Uh, we've talked about fatherlessness being a big part of it, and you're right that sin is such a, a huge uh, – you know, is is the part of it. When we when we talk about guns, um, clearly the Second Amendment, the founders and people who lived in that era are coming from a, a a time where tyranny was on everybody's mind for sure. They 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 looked at gun ownership or weapon ownership uh, as as a right that is obvious uh, against the government, and that's really what the Second Amendment is is about. Um, we're running out of time here. We're going to have open line Friday. It'll probably come up a little bit more tomorrow. But I want to end on on this note here, and uh, maybe we'll answer that a little bit more in detail. The answer to this, our hope is Christ. And whatever happens, you know, I hope that there is some kind of law that can get passed that people can actually agree on, that maybe there is, quote, common sense gun laws that actually do help. I, I don't think that we should just ignore that. But I also think we've got to know that evil is in the heart of man and that people have been murdering people since Genesis chapter 3 and 4. Um, that's, that's the case. All right, I'm out of time, and uh, remember to pray about this, friends. We'll talk about this more tomorrow. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We're back tomorrow from 3 to 5. God bless you. Have a great day.